Well, good morning, White Oak. It's so good to be here with you as we are in another week of our series we're called uh, Seeking. And uh, in this series, we're talking about tuning in to the heart of our Heavenly Father. And so uh, we're, we're talking about uh, just pursuing the, these deeper uh, connections with, uh, with our Heavenly Father, God. And, uh, and as a church, we, we want to do that, and individually we want to do that. We've been talking about these practices that are uh, these things that we do that help us accomplish that goal, these things that, uh, that are woven into our daily lives. And uh, so we've been talking about these disciplines that we've been building this series on. And so as we've been talking about that, um, one of the things that we've used as a resource is that there's this book by Richard Foster that's called Celebration of Discipline. And uh, it's got, uh, you know, millions and mu- millions of, uh, of purchases. It was originally per- uh, written in 1978, and it has stood the test of time, basically being just this, uh, this really great guide to help people as they pursue deeper relationships with their Heavenly Father, uh, specifically when talking about and thinking about these spiritual disciplines. In the introduction of the book, Richard Foster says something I just want to read it for you. It says, the classical disciplines of the spiritual life call us to move beyond surface living into the depths. They invite us to explore the inner caverns of the spiritual realm. They urge us to be the answer to a hollow world. And I don't know about you, but, uh, but there's just something that rings out for me when I look at the introduction to that book where it talks about just uh, going beyond surface level living. I don't know if you're like me, but there's just moments in my life where I just feel like that, uh, that I'm given bare minimum, that, that I'm just kind of like barely scratching the surface when it comes to the potential of my relationship with my heavenly father. And I, I want to be called into what Richard Foster refers to as here, these depths. That's what I want. That's what I long for. And, and then he, uh, he makes this comparison. He says, they urge us to be the answer to a hollow world. And I think that all of us have experienced this, uh, this recognition that the world that we live in can become very hollow and uh, very self-serving. And so we're, we're just called to stand in contrast to this. So if the book Celebration of Discipline sounds like something that uh, would interest you, if you'd like to kind of dive deeper in this subject matter, obviously uh, we're going through six of these spiritual disciplines, but there's a bunch that we can't cover. Uh, Or if you want more information about some of the ones that we are going through, I highly recommend that you pick up a copy of the book. If you're somebody who reads digitally, that is uses the Kindle app on like your iPad, or you actually still have a Kindle, uh, you can get it for free. So uh, you can go check that out, uh, but it's available anywhere that books are sold. And so uh, it's just been a great companion for us as we've looked to put this series together. Over the last two weeks, we've taken a look at some disciplines that we consider to be inward. 
That is that uh, when we practice them, they're just kind of between us and God. We began with prayer, and then last week we talked about the spiritual discipline of fasting. And so those aren't necessarily ones that we do. Sometimes they can be do- done corporately. We all have experienced like corporate prayer. Uh, there might be a group of people that choose to fast corporately. Um, but for the most part, at their core, they're between us and God. Now, these next two spiritual disciplines that we're going to talk about, specifically today, uh, are spiritual disciplines that happen uh, one another. That is that we practice them towards other people. And so uh, we're going to be making this shift today. And so today we're going to be looking at the spiritual discipline of service. That is how we serve one another. It's interesting that in our pursuit of God, in our desire to move beyond the surface level into these depths, in our desire to grow closer with our Heavenly Father, one of the ways that we do that, one of the ways that we achieve that is in how we interact with one another, how we treat others. So how we treat others has a direct impact on our relationship with God, or perhaps it's the other way around. Maybe our relationship with God deeply impacts the way that we treat other people. Either way, today as we talk about the spiritual discipline of service, our big idea is this, put others first. Put others first. And it sounds like such a simple thing. And, and if I were going to be honest, you know, over the last kind of couple years that I've been here at White Oak, I feel like that, that this idea, this concept has been a part of big ideas and sermons uh, tons of times. Like this, just this idea of setting our own wants and desires and needs to the side and elevating the needs of other people seems like that it is just this universal idea when it comes to following Jesus. And so today as we kind of talk about and we look at this idea of serving, the the big idea behind that is that we are elevating other people. The Bible has a lot to say about serving others and about how we treat other people and about elevating the needs of the people around us. And one of my favorite places that it talks about that is in the book of Philippians. Now, I want you to go ahead and if you've got a Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 2. You can pull that up on your phone. Uh, We've got free Bibles at the hub if you would like to get one there. But this is a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in uh, Philippi. And in this letter, he is encouraging them uh, in their walk, in their faith, in their, uh, in their journey to draw closer to their Heavenly Father, much like what we're attempting to do as well. And so at the very beginning of this letter, here in just chapter 2, uh, Paul is addressing something that he wants to talk to them about, and, uh, and he kind of, um, he cashes in all of his chips he, he kind of goes all in, and, uh, and this is what he says. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement in being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any co- uh, common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. He says, look, 
If in being connected to Jesus, if being in this fellowship, if, if being a follower of God, if, if you've gotten any benefit from that, he says, then he, he says, make my joy complete. He says, do me, do me this favor. He, he says, I want you to strive for unity. And you know what is required if we are going to be united, if we're going to have unity? It's that we are going to have some compromises, that we're going to set aside our own personal wants and desires so that we might be connected and united. He says, I want you to be, have the same heart. I said, I want you to have the same mind. He said, I want you to be unified. You know, if you want to see a team implode, go and have every player look out for their own interest, right? I'm only about my stats. I only care if I get the ball. I only care if I start. I only care about me. That, that team, if every player on it thinks that way, that team is going to fail. You want a marriage to fail? Have both parties involved care only about themselves, that's how you're going to have a marriage that fails, right? And so Paul wants them to be united in this fellowship. And so he goes on to give them an example of what that looks like. Pick up with me in verse three. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He says, do nothing out of vain conceit, do nothing out of selfish ambition. You want to know how much pain and hurt could be avoided in my life personally, if I would just follow Paul's lessons here on relationships and not seek after my own wants and my own desires, it sounds so simple that, that we should just be able to do that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. But each and every one of us struggle with that. We fight for position at work. We want credit for the things that we do. We want to be noticed. We're willing to see other people around us fail so that we can succeed. We want to look better than the people around us, whatever that means. We want to be successful. We manipulate people around us, even at home, so that we can get our own way. We put our own needs above everyone else, even our family. We spend on things that we don't really feel like that uh, we need, but we, we, we desire them, right? We're, we're willing to put ourselves into financial uh, difficulty or our family into financial difficulty simply so that we can have what it is that we want. And we justify all of this that we've earned it or that we somehow uh, deserve it. How can we in humility value others above our self. It's not natural and it defies logic. I mean, the world around us is going to tell you to watch out for number one, that that self-preservation is going to kick in. 
Everyone around you is going to tell you that uh, the only one that matters is you and you've got to look out for you because nobody else is. And this is where we are following the leading of a broken and hollow world. This mindset gets perpetuated over and over again and it seeps in to our hearts. If our desire is to truly grow in depth in our relationship with God, that means taking steps towards knowing our identity in Jesus, uh, being equipped to love, being uh, deployed on mission. If we really want to truly understand who we are and we want to grow as we walk closer and closer to God, if that is our goal, one practice that will help us get there is the discipline of serving others. As we've seen Paul describe, it is a mindset, it is an attitude that we have to adopt and elevate others around us, and that is going to draw us closer to our Heavenly Father. Our big idea today is put others first. John, a follower of Jesus, writes an account of Jesus' life, and so if uh, If you want to, you can turn with me. We're going to be in John chapter 13 for a little bit here this morning as well. And so John, in his account of Jesus's life, when we come to chapter 13, we are towards the end of Jesus's time on earth. Jesus and his disciples, the 12 closest to him that have been following him for the last three years, they are about to celebrate a Jewish holiday All right, and so they are gathering together and they've made all the preparations to have Passover together. And so they are in this upper room together and uh, it says that they have sat down and they are eating the meal together. So they're they're midway in this process. They've arrived, they've gotten there, and they're together. And so in John chapter 13, verses 4 and 5, that's where we're going to pick up. They're all around the table and they're eating says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. This is Jesus that we're talking about. It says, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, it would have been customary in Jesus' time for when they walked into this house to have the Passover meal that someone would have washed everyone's feet. Now, a lot of times that would have been whoever in the group or whoever in the home would be viewed as the lowest. It could have been the youngest. It could have been someone who was a servant in that home. But it wouldn't have been Jesus. Jesus was widely seen as a rabbi, a teacher. And so he had this elevated position. And so it would have never been him, but it would have been one of them in the room. But Jesus and his followers, uh, they didn't always follow these traditions, okay? So, so it wasn't customary for them to, uh, to wash each other's feet. You can tell because they just walk into the room and they, uh, they gather around the table and they begin eating the Passover meal together without a second thought. So, so no one was thinking about this. So this was something that would have been out of character for this group of men as they gathered together. But Jesus kind of like breaks out of that tradition and he comes in and he begins to wash their feet. And this would have taken them by surprise. 
There's a lot of uncomfortable people that are in this room because number one, their leader, their teacher, their rabbi is washing their feet and that just wouldn't have been something that would have happened in their day. And so also they're all thinking, should I have been the one that stood up and did this and now he's doing it? Is he mad at us? Like, like what is happening in this situation? Jesus takes on the role of servant here. He puts his own status and his own desires to the side and he serves his followers. Pick up with me in verse six. It says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Again, this was uncomfortable. And so when when Jesus gets around to Peter, Peter rejects it. He's like, like, you're going to wash my feet? No, this this isn't going to happen, Jesus. And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing right now. He said, but unless I wash you, you have no part of me. And then Peter's like, okay, I'm not really sure what's going on here. But he said, not just my feet, but wash all of me. Because I do not want to be separated from you. Jesus says, I'm doing this as an example He said, you don't quite understand what I'm doing now. He says, but later you will understand. This was Jesus, what he's accomplishing in this is doing a bunch of different things. He's setting an example for his followers to do what he is doing, but he's also showcasing to them what he's going to do on the cross. Pick up with me in verse 12. We'll read verses 12 through 17. So when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand why I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus says, I have set an example for you. Do as I have done. Now, does Jesus mean that I want you to go around washing everyone's feet? Is this the example that Jesus has set? No, I believe what Jesus is saying is, I want you to, our big idea today, put others first. I believe that Jesus is saying, I'm setting an example for you that that I have not created you to be leaders in the sense that you think of being leaders. He goes, I have empowered you to be servants. I've not come to this earth to set an example for you so that you can lord over people. He said, no, I've I've come and set an example for you so that you can serve other people. And so what are some places in your life where you need to put others first? For me, the place where I need to start is at home. 
It's the first and the best place for me to put into practice what Jesus is calling here and putting others first. And if I'm being honest, it should be the place where it's the easiest, but for me, there's time and time again where it's the hardest. I constantly jockey for my schedule to be the only one that matters. I constantly look for my own personal needs when it comes to our finances or how we spend our money, the things that I want versus the things that maybe we need. I can be really selfish and I can see other people around me serving and doing things and, uh, and I don't know. There's just, there's just times where I feel a great sense of guilt about how I don't elevate others around me, specifically in my home, enough. And, and when I see what Jesus is doing here, when I see the posture of Jesus, I think, man, that's what any good dad should be doing for his kids. Taking on... the status and the nature of a servant. But I don't find myself doing that all the time. And so it's something that I want to work on. And I think all of us struggle with this at some level, some place. Maybe it's not at home for you. Maybe it's at work. Maybe, maybe it's in your friend groups. We know that humility, we know that putting other People first is a better way, but selfishly we fight for our own wants, we fight for our own interests, we fight for our own desires. We want to be first. As a service, it, serving is this big topic in the Bible, and we could spend weeks and weeks just talking and getting into the nitty-gritty of it, but I want you to understand that today as we're talking about serving one another, what we're really talking about, what we're at least what we're focusing on today is we're focusing on our attitude because that's where it all begins. It begins with our heart. It begins with our desire to want to serve other people. Sometimes in church culture, we view serving simply as signing up to do stuff. And while there's great value in anyone who signs up to serve here on a regular basis, that's not the only way that serving happens. We're talking about the difference between saying, I sign up to serve, that is the things I do, the difference between that and being a servant, that is who I am. That shift in sometimes I serve to I am a servant of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is a huge shift mentally and emotionally and physically and how it manifests itself into what we do. You wanna have your minds blown as we kind of talk about this, sometimes even when we serve, we can get it wrong because attitude and posture is everything. Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, he outlines the difference between self-righteous service and true service. And maybe you didn't even know that you could be serving and somehow get that wrong, but I think ultimately we can see that we can do things sometimes out of selfish intent. 
as Paul laid out for us in Philippians. So take a look at this list as we kind of think through these things. Self-righteous service comes through human effort. It means I did it and I get the credit for it. True service comes from a relationship with the divine God deep inside. That means that anytime I do something, it's God who gets the credit, not through me, but only through God. Self-righteous service is impressed with the big deal. That means everything's got to be big and everything's got to be over the top. That's self-righteous service. True service finds it's almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. It means that I don't have to do something that everybody sees. I can do something in the shadows that nobody will ever know about. And I can be completely content in both. Self-righteous service requires external rewards. If I'm going to serve, they better thank me. If I'm going to serve, everybody better see it. If I'm going to serve, I better get acknowledged for it. True service rests content in the hiddenness. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. Well, if I'm going to show up to that thing, a lot of people better come. If I'm going to serve here, it better be worthwhile. True service is free from the need to calculate results. Self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve. You ever done that? Well, I'll serve, but I get to say who, and I get to say when, and I get to say how. True service is indiscriminate in its ministry. Self-righteous service is affected by moods and whims. How am I feeling What do I want to do? Well, I just changed where I serve today. True service ministers simply and faithfully because there is a need. I'm so thankful for the people in my life growing up in a Christian church that humbly served year after year in some of the ministries that I participated in because in my life it created stability. Self-righteous service is insensitive. It insists on meeting the need even when doing so would be destructive. And this one really hit me. There's sometimes where I push my own agenda and I push my own desire and it's like, oh, I want to help so bad, not realizing that my help is actually causing more harm than good. True service can withhold the service as freely as perform it. And I don't know about you, but I can tell you that I have been guilty of every one of those. And so sometimes even in serving, it can become all about me. It's funny how we can do that, isn't it? We can take the most pure things, we can take the most innocent things, we can take the most uh, godly things and we can twist them around and distort them and make them about us. We all fail and we all struggle And that's not reason to give up. This series is about taking steps towards growing in our spiritual relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's about taking steps forward, growing in depths in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
It's about seeking. And today we began with Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And so I want to finish with this section. And so we're going to go back Philippians chapter two. We're going to look at verses 5 through 11. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. So Paul had set this up. If you remember, he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of vain conceit. And so now he's going to continue and he's going to give us an example. He's going to paint us a picture of what this might look like lived out. He said, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So Paul's going to give us this example of what this looks like, how we should treat one another. And you know what he's going to use as the example? He's going to use the life of Jesus. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord." to the glory of God the Father. Jesus sets the ultimate example for us on how we should treat one another. Jesus didn't look towards his own interests. He didn't fight for his own desires. No, he set those aside. Jesus was God sent from heaven. And it says that he emptied himself, that he set aside his godliness. He set aside his, his, his reign and his uh, claim to the throne. And he says, I'm going to take on the nature of a servant. I'm going to serve mankind by dying on a cross. You and I, we have grace and we have freedom and we have the ability to experience full life because Jesus served mankind by going to the cross. And I love what it says there. And in, in taking on the nature of a servant and by lowering himself and serving the world, it says God's gonna actually exalt him. God's going to raise him up. God's going to lift him up. He says, there's coming a day. And church family, I want you to know that there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is coming. And so the world may not recognize it now. The world may not have recognized it when Jesus went to the cross, but a day is coming when Jesus will be exalted. And he will have his place in glory. Today, if you'd like to learn more about the gift of life that is available to you through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, I would invite you to come up and talk to me. I would love to talk to you about how baptism is a way that we can experience full life in Jesus. And as we consider these different actions, these practices, these things that we do that help us draw closer to our Father in heaven, there's just something that's very unique about how we treat, how we interact, how we live with one another.
We are never more like Jesus than when we elevate the needs of those around us. When we submit and we take a back seat and we lift up and we serve one another. And so will we consider first and foremost our action, our attitude, our heart towards others? Will we consider how we might be able to live this out? Our big idea today, put it up on the screen one last time, put others first. Can this be your mindset? Can this be the thing that draws you nearer to your creator God? Will you strive not only to serve with action, but also to become a servant like Jesus through your attitude? Will you pray with me? Dearly Father, I thank you so much for today and I thank you so much for the example that your son Jesus set on the cross for each and every one of us, God. Help us to do likewise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.